Welcome to a special live edition of Front End Happy Hour podcast. We're speaking on Certified Fresh Events, which is hosted by Brian Rinaldi. In this episode, we'll be talking about ethics in software engineering. Jem will actually be leading today's discussion. Jem, do you want to kick it off? My name is Jem Young. Uh, I'm a senior software engineer here at Netflix, and we are live here at Netflix. And I want to talk about something that I think is really important in software engineering that we don't talk about a lot, which is ethics. Um, maybe 10, 20 years ago, when you're getting a CS degree, an ethics class was actually required learning for everybody getting a, becoming a software engineer. No longer is that the case. In fact, uh, many software engineers don't have CS degrees, which is absolutely fine. But in doing that, we we lost that ability to have that kind of moral compass, moral foundation that I think a lot of the early pioneers in uh, computer software had. But we've kind of lost that a bit along the way. And I wanted to have a panel with a lot of the smartest people that I know talk about uh, the current and future um, state of ethics in software engineering. Um, so like I said, my name is Jem Young. I'm a senior software engineer here at Netflix. Ryan, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. My name is Augustus Yoon. I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. I'm Ryan Inklum, and I'm a software engineer here at Netflix as well. I'm Stacey London. I'm a senior front-end engineer at Atlassian. And I'm Mars Julian. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix as well. But to open up the panel, um, what does software engineering, what does ethics and software engineering mean relative to, say, other fields. So uh, doctors have the Hippocratic Oath, uh, do no harm, things like that. Uh, civil engineers have their own oaths they, they write about because they make bridges and buildings and things like that. But software engineering doesn't really have an official kind of oath or mantra that we, we try to adhere to. Um, so what is the state of ethics in software engineering? What does it mean? Well, I think that's the thing is I don't think there's a definition of it. I think that there's... You know, you, you spoke to doctors or civil engineers and in software development or software engineering, we don't really actually have a set guidelines or anything. And I'm sure each company may have those, uh, but not necessarily in our industry. So I did some research because I, I myself didn't off the top of my head know if, if software engineering has any official uh, ethics definitions uh, for our industry. And it looks like there is um, the IEEE CA or Computer Society did define something, but the fact that that exists, maybe, and we don't, you know, I didn't well, know about it. We didn't it. know about it, yeah, but like, we're not following it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's concerning. Yeah, um, but it has some definitions, which I found pretty interesting. Awesome. What was the high-level things that you found in there? Um, it was just a lot of stuff about uh, how you interact with various entities. So, like, yourself, your coworkers, your colleagues, society as a whole, your employer, and, like, what it means to maybe do no harm or be a good a good person to um, other people that you work with. It kind of defines those structures. I think what's interesting too in those principles that you're mentioning is um, if you look at them, they're ordered or if that intentional. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're. I don't know if they're ordered intentionally, but um, it maybe in terms of priority. But the first one that they list is the public interest, and then directly after that is your clients and employer. So the idea that like our business needs of our companies and the ones that we work for, and you know the skill sets that we're using are always going to be. Um, we always have to consider the public interest at the same time, and perhaps as the primary. Yeah. I guess, I guess a common. And this is by no means official, but I guess one common one that I do hear from people is saying, like, do right by our users. I think for a lot of, like, tech companies, like, the focus is on what can we do for our users that um, that are using our product and how can we, like, respect what they want. So I think, like, big topics like data privacy, like, definitely come up when it comes to ethics. I think that's, like, one of the most common ones. Oh, I'm sure there are many others. Uh, 
uh, Atlassian, one of the company or values is don't F the customer. And that's in writing in, in I love it. System. It's pretty well-defined. A bold statement. Very bold. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that IEEE has a uh, software engineering manifesto. I think there's a few of them out there. One of the issues is, one, ethics in software is completely relative because unlike most fields which have some sort of ethical code, our, what we do like is everywhere. It's every field. It's not just medicine or, or science or math or something. like. It's every single industry out there. So when people say, what's the public good? Like, can can someone explain that a bit for me? Like, what what does that mean? And who who's the public in this case? What if you work for the government? Is it do the government better than your customers? Or no one said it's going to be easy. Uh, I mean, the government. Uh, I don't know if there. It'd be still like the public. The public using that. It depends on the identity, I guess. At that point, is like what's like what are you building? Like who's using it? And I think it just comes down to the users and the user could be people within the government, but it could also be public facing. So I guess what it comes down to for me is users. That's who we should be cared about, caring about and defining who are our users and who like what are we doing right by our users? And that could be that could vary in different cases. Like depending on what you're building. I suppose an interesting thing with defining that is if the users are people you are unexpected. So like if you have like a site that's totally public and you don't control who comes to your site at all, like it could be anybody in, in the world, um, maybe that changes how you think about the ethics of your practices or how you build things versus where it's a closed group and maybe a known group. So maybe you're building like internal software that internal your your users are like in, internal to the company maybe that changes things maybe it doesn't but i think that's maybe an interesting thing to think about i think a uh, really interesting question for me whenever i think of ethics and software is the people building self-driving cars right the user is the driver of the car for the most part um, but what happens if it comes into a situation where steer off a cliff or you know run over some people right it's the classic trolley trolley car problem well, and it's not just the driver, it's everyone else. Yep, like right. it's everyone that's in near or around that vehicle. So yeah, that's a very good one. I like that. Yeah, actually, uh, one of my picks a long time ago was the site called Moral Machine, where you train, it like gives you scenarios of a self-driving car. And if it has to choose between like a pregnant lady and like a dog, like you choose who it hits and it like train. It's, it's kind of a dark I think even in the case of the the self-driving cars thing, but there's always you have to consider the business as well. Like that's I think when you're training the models that self-driving cars use, everyone always, you know, refers to the oh, you know, the least harm done. But then the other question on the flip side, when you take into account the business, is who's gonna buy a self-driving car that's gonna drive you off a cliff? And I think that's like in, in software engineering, this is a really I think this is a great question because it brings into like really clear view the dilemmas that we face. Because for the business, you need to make a car that people are going to buy, but you also need to make a car that people feel comfortable having on the road. And those perspectives are completely different depending on what what part of like if you're outside the car, if you're in the car, like who you are relative to that car. And I just think that's such an interesting problem because it's like right in front of you. These are the issues. These are the types of dilemmas that we're dealing with, or at least in that industry. Perhaps not in streaming, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a great example. Uh, the self-driving cars. Uh, I I think. Um, Ethics and software engineering is about going the extra mile and protecting the user above all. Uh, like they say in Tron, one of the one of the great movies. Uh, like I fight for the user. Ideally, we all think that, but the truth is we don't. 
because there are people out there that write spam bots. There are people out there that write those pop under ads. There are people out there that write super cookies. There's a lot of hostile software engineers in the world. So one thing I, I really want to talk about was dispelling this myth of Silicon Valley and this like halo that we all do good all the time. It's just not true. There, there are people out there that write things that I think morally we would all disagree with. So my question is, how do you toe that line between I need to make money, I need to make a career, but also I disagree with what my company is doing? Like, essentially, everybody has a price. How do you determine where that is? How do you determine when is too far? When is like this this hostile to the user, but it's good for the business? Ooh, yeah. Jeez. Wow, this is a tough. That's talk. how we do it on Tuesdays. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with something there. Uh, I was 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 going to get a drink. (laughs) It definitely requires a drink. Yeah, that's that's tough. I think, like, to me, I don't know where to draw the line. I think it's case by case. But I think you should feel comfortable pushing back on things and really questioning um, whether it be coming from leadership or... Where, where are these things coming from and and question it if you feel uncomfortable i think you should be questioning it i don't think that's really answering your question jam but i i think that it's really case by case and i think at that point you shouldn't just take it for what it is if you feel uncomfortable with something you should absolutely be questioning it i think that's it's tricky this like the, the you can get into things like i'm the sole provider for my family if I lose my job, I lose my insurance, my kid has medical needs that would be untenable without medical insurance. Those things have driven a lot of people's behavior because you might people might put up with more than their ethical line draws for them because they're scared um, and their livelihood is at stake. So things like that can actually like blur people's judgment because of you know fear you know if your maslow's hierarchy of needs isn't met like those are things that really drive decisions that maybe aren't you know the most bold decisions they're they're ones out of fear i'll actually even add to that i love that you said like sole provider that kind of aspect um luckily i have a green card now but i was once on a uh, visa right and a working visa and that's tied to a company and that's like you know, if I get let go, I have a pretty quick turnaround that I need to find another job or I'm going back to Canada. So that that can be another issue is like if you're pushing back too hard, then are you going to lose your job for that? And I can see that that might blur the line a little bit more. Yeah, not that it's good or bad, but it's just something I think that that does influence how people decide to to be ethical or not. So I'll, I'll say a real potential scenario um, that something as software engineers, any of us could be in. Um, let's say, God forbid, you had a child and they have a heart condition. They need a transplant. You, as software engineer, have access to that database. You could theoretically move your child to the top of the list. And no one would ever know because you control that. You you own that entire system. When you think about things like that, you have to think really hard about what does ethics mean in that terms? Where is your line exactly? But that's just one example of the power we have as software engineers that we just don't think about this impact we have that we could do if we wanted to. I guess with that example, though, like if we go with the ethics of do no har- harm to others, you potentially are harming a lot of other potential You're people. You're also helping someone, too. That That's true. I, I, I'm not saying I know... Uh, well, golly, geez. Uh, <laughs> do we have a keyword? <laughs> do we have a Jim missed that, and I'm like, I, oh, man. I, I usually usually scream a keyword to just have a reason to drink. But So all, that that was maybe too too personal, but they could be accurate for any of our, for any of us. We could be in that position someday. Hopefully not. Uh, but let's extrapolate that out larger. So instead of a child, it's your company. And your company is about to go under. You're a startup. 
you're hustling, you have the ability to maybe steal some competitor secrets that would give you an edge. At that point, you're 200 people at this company, and this is like some mega corp that wouldn't even notice that these secrets are gone. So when you look at it in those terms, which again are real scenarios we could be in as software engineers, where's the ethical line? How do you know when it's too far? When is the good of the many outweigh the good of the few? I think you're like looking for a solid answer here, and it, like, there, I don't think there is. Like there, I surely don't. And like, that that's that's my opinion. There there is no right answer, yeah. but I, I want to hear some some thoughts. I mean, I think it's all dependent on the circumstance, but I mean, I don't have an answer for you. And it's also a slippery slope as well, right? So if you steal that trade information, that trade secret into your company, then that fosters that right from the very beginning. Now, from that point forward, everything you do is going to be based off of, you know, not your own intelligence, not your own. Um, proprietary information so now your company you know everything forward is kind of almost built off a lie sometimes some businesses are built off patents like yeah, how, how do you, you patent get something you just stole so that that can be another issue but ryan you hit the nail on the head there to me there is no right answer obviously in like moral philosophy there is no right answer unless you subscribe to a particular school however these are just things i think as software engineers we should think about because we have this unprecedented power never before in history have like so few people had the ability to change the world but we've never once thought like, what's the extent of that power? Should we think about the limits? Should we think about self-imposed limits on things we can do? Uh, for me, it's more important just to have thought about it, at least at some point. I think engineers have a lot of power or more power than they think. Um, uh, as an example, I think at, at Google, a bunch of engineers um, spoke up and said, we don't feel comfortable with the particular software being used for you know X. And, and they changed the course of that a little bit. And I think... That's that was a really powerful story, and I think um, if maybe if you're worried about you know standing up for something and losing your job because that's that's hard for you to lose your job for many reasons, at least maybe you can talk to your coworkers and you have a, a cohort, a, a group that could stand together on something that you feel passionate about. And I think there's some power there with like numbers, and and you you can say no in groups. <laughs> Well, and I'd honestly, I'd rather be shipped back to Canada than like to stand up for something I believe in. I would definitely do it. Uh, but I can see why sometimes people may not want to do that. Um, I like the idea of just trying to f facilitate those conversations and just don't go silent. I think that to me is the biggest important thing is like bring it up, raise the concern. If the company doesn't agree and they still want to move forward, then it's on you to really decide, do you stay at that company? I also think you just turned yourself into a Nike meme. Stand for something, so just do it. even if it makes you get shipped back to Canada. <laughs> All right. But but in, in software engineering, especially because at least in the States and parts of Europe, we're some of the highest paid people out there. So the moral dilemma is real because we have a choice between money and doing what we feel is right. And often I feel like we choose the money and we just kind of like push aside our moral qualms. So it's more like... In general, what's the best way of get people to think about the, the the ethics of the things that they do, the things that they build? I mean, I'd even be interested in some examples of like where have we actually faced some of these things within some of the code that we're doing. Like, what are some areas that you know maybe you felt a little bit weird, Gem? You'd mentioned like building pop up ads or um, building ads. Is that is that really bad? Like, you know, some someone may actually feel that that's okay. That that's you know they're they're doing their job and building a mechanism to promote other products and you know we may not find that great but that could actually be okay. So I'm interested to know like others on the panel what are some things that we've created along the way that 
maybe felt weird or maybe you've pushed back on, maybe you left the company because of that. Well, I mean, I didn't create, um, but I, I feel like one example that kind of stands out and, um, you know, Uber has definitely changed a lot these past few years. So I'm not trying to take jabs at them, but there was this like article about how um, this interviewer came to like interview with the CEO or um, some high executive and they came down immediately when her Uber like um, stopped at the building and she was like, oh, how did you know that I uh, arrived? And he's like, oh, I was like looking at you, you know. On this like God mode, um, this I, I, uh, if we have a link to the article, well, I'm sure we'll link it. And yeah, I'm sure like and this like example kind of stands out to me because it's like I'm sure someone coded it, and probably like the intentions weren't for you know some executive to go look God mode at whoever they wanted. Maybe there was like some actual reasons for like you know if customer support needed to find like you lost your cell phone and they needed to track and you knew the last Uber, they could help you with your permission and. So, something like that like there's like justifications for that um but it, it's it's definitely tough right like how how do you like um know as a as someone who's like programming it like what the intentions will it will be used for all the time up front yeah there's some interest like with software that elastian makes it's very meta it's meta software to make other to make other pieces of software so um are there companies that are using you know our software to make bad things Maybe you don't know because often you don't you don't know all the customers that are using your thing. And even if you build your things with good intention and and ethical standards, people could use your software to do things that are not ethical. And that's kind of hard. I've I've struggled with that. I think like how do I balance um, that that I know that I think I'm working on something that's very ethical or my standards are never being challenged, but who someone else using the thing that I built is. And that's that's kind of a tough one. I've I've like you're building for APIs for someone else to leverage and you're like, I don't know what they're gonna do with this, but I'm still creating these APIs. It's not really your fault if they're used malicious, but they could be. But yeah, it, but it's something to think about that, you know, it sits in the back of your brain. <laughs> there are uh an example of I think the times when a company I worked for did the morally ethically right thing was it was a subscription service and you get a free trial or whatever and the choice was to either alert the user to let them know that hey we're about to start billing you and or to not alert them and just silently bill them and i've seen companies do it both ways and fortunately the company i was at decided to not or to send the email let you know like hey we're about to bill you but there are examples audible.com i'm calling you out uh of people of companies that will sign you up for service and then silently bill you for as long as possible and even not notify you as much as possible to that you're being billed that to me is like an ethical it's like it's pretty clear what's right and wrong but again at the bottom line if you have to feed your family at what point do you say like no this is this is too much this is this is not right yeah, to actually feed into that on the opposite, or you talked about the positive of emailing someone to say, hey, your uh, subscription, or you're going to be billed for this. I've worked at a company where it's kind of similar. It wasn't really a subscription-based, or I guess it was in the sense that you're paying for added features. And there's this point where we were actively not emailing customers that were paying, they were inactive, like they weren't using the product. And instead of like sending them marketing emails or anything like they would be removed from the list just almost to not remind them is like you're getting oh, billed for this that's so shady and and i felt like Ooh. that that to me felt really wrong and then in the flip side of it is like having a subscription where it's like hey 
you know, you have this free trial, just a reminder, you will get billed is kind of nice because I've been there. I've, I once paid for a service uh, that Microsoft had. I was paying for it for like, it's my own bad. I paid for it like a good year or two without really realizing. <laughs> it was so small. It was on my credit card that I didn't really notice the line item. And I never used the product, but like was continuing to bill it. And I never saw any like a reminder or an email. And it's like, that's on me a little bit for not paying attention to like the byline on my uh, visa statement. But still, I mean, that kind of sucked. Uh, my not favorite, but I think a well-known example is Therac 25. Sound familiar to anybody? Therac 20. Uh, so it's one of the clear-cut cases where uh, bad programming has killed somebody. So Therac 25 in the 80s was a um, kind of a radiation machine. It would do targeted radiation. And it turned out the software engineer or software engineers, there's a race condition in there where the uh, machine would just keep bombarding the person with the radiation because it didn't know how to stop because there's a race condition. And it literally killed somebody. So that's an instance of like, there are downstream consequences of, let's say, not doing enough QA, not doing enough um, testing. But again, we have to balance that with the real life, we need to ship things as well. Is there ever been an instance where you're like, I'm unsure about the scenario, there could be consequences, but I need to get out the door anyways? I know I've been in several, but I've been talking this whole time. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like the that stupid mantra, go fast and break things or whatever. I like, I don't like that. And I mean, I think, I think Facebook literally had that, but they've since changed that they model. Have since they've changed yeah, it a while ago. Um, but when like the break things is like break humans, like <laughs> don't do it, test more. Well, and I guess into that point is like Facebook... I mean, okay, all right. They're, they could break the fact that you can't like post something on Facebook, but we've now relied on something like Facebook, Twitter, text messages, and all these things have become so important that breaking something for your users can actually lead to an emergency, like where I'm like needing to get a hold of you, Stacy, because of X, Y, and Z happened, and I can't because something's broken. That that could actually be very problematic. At first, I'd be like, well, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's just social media. But we've now turned to really rely on these. So that, that can be an even bigger problem. I think even like to the move fast and break things point, um, it's it can be more insidious as well. Because when you say move fast and break things, a lot of times people use that as an excuse for growth. But it's not so much as you, I mean, yes, there are consequences for more serious products where you might break people or, or to that effect. But other companies like Facebook and Instagram that build bad habits over time because they're growing their user base are really trying to get you hooked on social media at almost to the point of being addictive. And that's part of the move fast break things. The breaking is less obvious, but I think that there's still kind of a duty to users to consider the ramifications that this has on their life. Like how, what are the habits that you're building? Um, or what are the habits that you're breaking? Are they good habits that you're breaking? Are they bad habits that you're creating? And I think that's not something we talk about a lot, but move fast, break things means growth and growth isn't always healthy for us. Is it cool or is it okay to be building something that people are addicted to? Mm. I think, I mean, I think it's, that's a really hard question. I think we all, the it obvious- absolutely is. And like, <laughs> I'm a big fan of sitting on Instagram or like Twitter. I love it. Like when I'm bored or just like, waiting for someone or like anything like that i'm on there and and is that good i don't know actually it's true and one thing that i kind of want to give um a big shout out to is like for google and apple like they've started like including like things to see how much time you spend on the phone i think like android announced at google io like they're 
um, announcing this thing, which will like tell you like how often you're on your phone. It will even like alert you to like not be on your phone so much. So I think like those kind of ethics, yeah, I think they definitely play a big role. And like it's good to see some like tech companies starting to like address that in their own ways. Yeah, I mean iOS 12 released today and. That has some of those features in there to yep. actually monitor, and or, you, you don't have to use it, but it, it tells you that you're using it, your devices too much. Uh, it has like parent controls in there for your kids, which I think yes, those should have been there a long time ago. I'm glad to see that. Uh, so it is nice to see some of these options. They're opt in, which is fine too. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. If, if you know, if I'm addicted to Instagram and I enjoy it, I guess well, <laughs> I'm gonna keep using it. So, so. that. I'll give a devil's advocate. Like, what gives private companies the moral authority to tell me what I can and cannot do? If, like, let's say Google says using the phone is using my phone too long is too much. Like, we just think it's bad for you. We're going to automatically shut down your phone after a certain amount of time. Like, but I think that's what they're doing. They're they're not. Or sorry, they're not doing that. They're giving you the opt in to so, notify but, like, you. But like, take it one step further. Yeah, no, where a company could do that if they, they wanted to. Could, but why? Why would they want to do that? They could. I mean, I would not like that. At all. Nobody cares what you like. <laughs> <laughs> these these no, are billion, is. trillion dollar companies. Like They can impose these things at will. But what if collectively all the engineers and product managers say, like, we're doing this for the public good. Um, kids game too much, so we want to cut off their gaming time. Like, Is it in their purview? Is it in our purview to say that? Or is it let people, First Amendment, like, you do whatever you want because you are an adult or you're an independent person? I look at it as on the individual. I think like giving those controls and setting that tone is super helpful and they should be there. But no, I don't think they, I don't think it's the company's job to set that tone or decide that, hey, Stacey, you've been watching too much Netflix or you've uh, been playing too many video games like and shut it off for you. I think it's, it's more having those mechanisms are helpful and those controls, but I don't think it's really on them to decide what people are doing. That's so does, my it, thought. does it come down to like ethics and software engineering as a matter of just transparency in terms of in terms of using That's these good. products like, you know, iOS 12 gives us the information about the different products that we're using. But, hey, I'm still addicted to Instagram. I know I spend hours on it every week. I still use it. But at least now I know that because iOS 12 told me. And that comes down to transparency, I think. I mean, what I'm hearing, at least what you guys are saying, is that now we have the information, but we don't think that companies have the should have the ability to make that decision, but at least they're giving us the information. And if more of them did that and were more transparent, perhaps there's the morality in software engineering or part of it, the beginning of it. I like the transparency. I think you've hit it right I, yeah, for me. I, I feel comfortable 100%. with that. I love that. That's a good way to put it, is that just being transparent and saying like, yeah, I'm cool with the amount of times I use that app, but yeah, that's cool. Thanks for servicing it, but I'm still going to keep going. Or I might question and go, oh, wow, I should probably do something else. Well, the tool exists. I mean, without the tool, we would have no idea and we wouldn't be able to make the decisions for ourselves. But I don't know. Is that the beginning? So I, I understand where you're coming from. I disagree with transparency being like, that's the solution. Um, for instance, end user license agreements. Everything is buried in there. Like somewhere in there, you could be like, uh, Ryan, you just you just signed over your child. You didn't even know it because you clicked. <laughs> you didn't know it. But like, right. there are people that are comfortable, and plenty, lots of companies do it, are comfortable with saying like, well, the user could have read that, and they didn't. But we are being as transparent as possible. It literally says, we will sell your data to everybody. And people are like, oh yeah, we we click okay. But like, and that's what I want to get to. Like the core of ethics is like. Where's the line? You, you're saying like, I, I inform the user, therefore I am absolved of all responsibility, but that's, that's just not true in so many cases. 
I think informing you're you're saying almost like hidden text because I'm sorry, but like no one reads the uh, terms of use, and I so I, th I think companies know that. Uh, but having a feature that like iOS 12, let's pick on that because it's it literally had just released today. Is they're calling it out as a feature? They are actually trying to be very transparent and sell it as a feature that these new controls are there. I believe when you upgrade it, even kind of talks about that in there and so i think that to me is more transparent than putting it in some like hidden data line that we're going to sell your data i think companies at that point that is unethical it's like they're literally trying to hide that from you and they're saying well you agreed but you had to agree to move forward like you had to agree to sign up for this or you had to agree to use this product whatever it is and so that seems a little bit less transparent i think to mars's point it's more transparent in the sense that we're, we're demonstrating this, we're showing you that, hey, there's this data that you're using, or you're using this product a lot, just surfacing this so you know, and then you can choose what to do. But I think the hidden text is, yes, maybe that fits into that unethical part. Maybe it's like visible, intentional transparency. But that's so relative. Is that That is so relative about oh, what's totally visible. Is. A lawyer would argue the end user license agreement is completely transparent and visible. You can scroll and read and it's in and even every if they language. Did, like, all right, if it wasn't in like 10 point font and even if it was like in 25 point font, <laughs> who knows that legal jargon? It is not easy to read. And so that to me is there. there's still hidden language in there and nobody's going to read that. So I'll, I'll post a question to Ryan because I know you work on TV often you work on TV UI, let's say you create a new feature and the user, like you have to click through it because I bought this TV, I have to click through it. So we, we act like there's a choice a lot of times where like, well, you clicked okay, but oftentimes there's no choice. There's Android and there's Apple. There's, there's not much, but I still need a phone. I still need a phone to function. So like Ryan, um, TV is a good example because I know there is software out there that like will track the users, track their watching habits, things like that. It's built into the TV. You can't use it, the TV, without using that software. And it's outside of the applications. Like if I'm watching like Amazon or Hulu or Netflix, it's outside of that. Yeah. And I know Ryan and I, uh, OG Ryan, Ryan Inkla, we, we've had discussions <laughs> on things like this before. What's the question? <laughs> the question is like, how do you how do you balance? Like we say, oh, users have a choice, but not necessarily. It's like the illusion of choice. You you have to click accept. With in the TV example, right? There is a choice, and I think the company that you're talking about that was tracking the stuff, you know, it came out and it was a very public issue for that manufacturer, and I think people chose to go a different way, right? And in your phones thing, I think the market will correct a lot of those things where a company is doing something shady or is limiting something that doesn't give the users power, right? So if say it's Android versus iOS, and they both decide to limit you your use of particular applications, I think the market would still correct that. I think there's other manufacturers out there. People could start using future phones again, right? And stop staring at screens and start spending time with their family a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but I, I think market will generally you know, take care of violently or, or very, very unethical companies, right? So when well, I think it goes back to similar points that were made earlier too is that like I think Stacy you talked about even with internally people being vocal on things or like getting together as a group well if a company is doing something that's like feels unethical and wrong as a group on the internet as a community we can absolutely change and shift that as like people choose not to buy something they you know we do have options and you're right if Android and iOS both go in one direction well that just opens the door for a new company to be created and hopefully correct that. Yeah, actually I wanted to 
so I actually thought the terms and condition was like a really good example. And I was like, oh, that's a great example of like transparency. But and the thing that kind of irks me about it, because I think it's a super valid point. It is the company being transparent, but they're being transparent to cover their own asses like they're they're it's like to cover liability it's not um for the intention of hey users you should know about all this stuff right this is more of like hey don't sue us here's some formal written documentation like there are some companies that have started doing this thing where they'll take their terms and conditions and then they'll make them like they'll like summarize them in like very human pro- friendly human yeah. friendly <laughs> i was i was like oh, non-lawyer i was like how would i describe myself because my intelligence isn't like that of a human but no i'm just kidding <laughs> um, but <laughs> you just said he's my better reading than level is like really low so it'd uh, be literally sur- showing source code for most users yeah like, yeah it'd be like that exactly. is not really yeah. useful to majority of people I, I i'm glad you brought up source code so uh a few weeks ago there was an incident where a fairly public and prolific JavaScript library author, He, uh, this person created a new license where they said, any of these companies that are working with immigration and custom enforcement cannot use my software because I disagree morally with their stance. And because I wrote this software, it is within my rights to say that. Uh, what is everybody's thoughts on something like that? I mean, it is his right. It's like, but he's, it depends. Was it open source before? Yep. Yeah, then that that's kind of tough um, to like claw it back. But I, I think if, if I've created something myself, I have the right to open source that. I have the right to share that with maybe just you, Jam, or this panel. I don't know. That's really tough, though, when it's been open source and then you're clawing it back. That might be very difficult. I was going to say it takes a lot of courage to do that. So I just want to kind of give a shout out for that. I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to like kind of like take your software that's helping many people, many people probably depend on it, and then just shut it off to like stand up for something that you truly believe in. So lots of respect for that. Whether it's ethical, um, yeah, like I think opens, yeah, actually I'm really glad that kind of happened because it started a lot of conversations about open source and a lot of ethics. Like how involved does open source get into it? Um, and I actually I agree with Ryan. Like, it is kind of awkward because like they kind of licensed it, but then like because it was open source before, pretty much old iterations are still available. So it's not necessarily like it's not going to solve the problem per se. But actually, but um, if the intention, which I actually this is what I believe it was for, if the intention is to like make it like known, like like call out like these kind of things, then it really did its job very well. So um, no, I was just gonna actually pose another question that kind of goes back to um, one of the earlier points you made about, you know, surgeons need to be certified, engineers need to be certified, you know, there's a process. Does software engineering need a certification process? Um, You know, and does it need to be as specialized as different um, verticals within software engineering have their own different code of ethics that and certification process that people need to go through? That's a great question. I think it's, I mean, I think largely it's in the context of which you are a software engineer. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are certifications if you're working in certain high, like, uh, touch, I guess, areas, like, you know, you're developing software for um, airplane guidance or, you know, NASA or drones, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that does 
I mean, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that exists. But what's interesting is that like software engineering, like everything now is online and software engineering as an as a profession and the industry has grown so much that I guess no one really saw the need for it. We were sort of just building tools quickly that were useful without considering the ramifications and with no formal process in place, which one, I think, is the beauty of software engineering, but two, it does pose some problems. It, it- it's a it's a yin yang because it software is open. Anybody can become a software engineer tomorrow, but the problem is anybody can become a software engineer tomorrow, whether or not they're qualified. <laughs> I'll stay away from self driving cars because that one's an easy target. But let's say uh, banking software. Uh, let's say I push a bug, people can't log into their their bank account. Somewhere, tens of thousands of people out there can't close a house. They can't like pay their mortgage because I pushed a small bug. So maybe there should be some sort of certification. But again, like I don't know what that would get of give us. I, I, the mistake could still happen. The mistake could still happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's for me is like we still ship bugs, no matter how great we are. That's why we have QA. That's why a job exists, and that's why you need to check everything. And no matter how many certifications are done, it's still going to happen. Um, maybe it happens less. Maybe. It's interesting because like there's like kind of the software engineer level but then also i feel there are some ethics on like the product level like one thing that i've kind of thought about was like ride sharing apps and like on one hand they provide tons of jobs for people who are crowdsourcing but then it takes away a lot of jobs from like taxis and stuff like airbnb takes away a lot um maybe competing with hotels and stuff and i think there has been some ethical like moral conversations of if that's right and then i think the government has kind of stepped in to try to like mitigate try to make the balance kind of okay but that's always also been something that's i've never really what do you think of it what's your opinion is it good, I totally, is it good to take away the jobs of taxi drivers and hotels it's it's tough like i told i i don't know i'm a total like i'm a huge fan of open source and therefore i'm kind of a huge fan of crowdsourcing i feel like by the people if people want to do something and there's something that can set it up for them like it's literally like if i wanted to call my friend and pay him like a few bucks to pick me up like uber and lyft have just made an app to just kind of do that and i think it's awesome to like just meet new people who like want to like try try it out and stuff but yeah i I think for i think for me it was literally taking these old school business models and and putting a spin on it and saying like hey there's more room for competition and to me some of the regulations that are coming in i don't know i'm i question that a little bit too is like where's the money coming to support the regulations is it coming from these old school businesses maybe maybe not but so i struggle with that one a little bit i think there's so i i've I've been reading a book about moral psychology and there's a quote in there that i thought was really fascinating that kind of relates to this and it says like the most important principle for designing an ethical society is to make sure that everyone's reputation is on the line at all the time or all the time so that bad behavior will always bring bad consequences. And I think sometimes the market is that correction, but also maybe sometimes the market doesn't correct it and maybe that's government. And so that that's where those lines get a little blurry. But um, I think if they're, you know, we asked about, you know, certifications, I think that's just like if you break your certification, you break your moral and ethical code, there's a consequence for that. And I think that might, consequences at multiple levels, I guess. So we almost need more consequences at that point? I think there are a lot of consequences. I think that's maybe what holds the fabric of an ethical society together and some of its market, some of its government, and it's the balance between all of those that um, has uh, created 
the fact that we have society and that we can, you know, continue on as a human. And, and maybe that's a reason why diversity in, in your group of like in diversity in tech matters, because maybe if you had people that maybe had come here from different countries and had perspective on what the the culture was in their country and how it might affect people that live where they live, like that would have come up sooner, maybe. I mean, th- those things matter. Um, diversity for- is not just within individual contributors, it's diversity in leadership. Like, I absolutely. think that would absolutely change some perspectives. And like, to Mars's point, the individual contributor may not really understand the full picture, which hopefully to the transparency comment, they do, because that really helps. But that's not always the case. But yeah, diversity is super important at that point. That's an excellent point, Stacey. And it's a good segue into the, yes, diversity is important, diversity of thought, uh, people that think differently from you. Because a lot of times, software engineers, we have this perspective on the world uh, but especially here in Silicon Valley, it's a very American US centric perspective on how things should be. And we don't take account, you know, the other 7.7 billion people around the planet, but we just impose that our, our thoughts and beliefs on people without thinking. And again, like Ryan said earlier, there are no easy answers. It's more what I really want people to take away from this is that to have just like think a little bit critically about the things you're building and it's hard to imagine the long-term consequences, but there are. And like every line of code, you like, someone's relying on that and it could alter their life one way or the other. Yeah, it sounds like we're high and mighty. We're these great software engineers that build things. But uh, the truth is like uh, we, we touch people's lives every day, like in, in a real way. So it's something we really need to think about carefully. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Make sure to subscribe. And follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Thank you all for listening.